This is KMTT and the weekly Pashat HaShavua Shir. This year, Tavshin Ayin, it will be given by Harav Chanoch Waxman. This week, Pashat Kitisa, I would like to discuss the story of the Chete Ego, the sin of the golden calf. The Torah, in Shmot, Parak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Aleph says as follows, And the people saw that Moshe was delayed in coming down from the mountain. And the people gathered over against Aaron or upon Aaron. Make us a God, an Elohim, that will go in front of us. This man, Moshe, who brought us up out of Egypt, we do not know what happened to him. Now, uh, of course, uh, as we remember, the story goes on. Aaron gives the people instruction, tells them to throw or cast off their gold, to donate their gold to the cause. The gold is taken. Aaron fashions it, fashions it into an egel masecha. And then, upon seeing the egel masecha in Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Dalit, we're told as follows, Vayomru, and they said, and the people said, uh, this is your God, Israel. Uh, they proclaim, this is your God, Israel, who took you up out of Egypt. Aaron, in a panic, of course, builds a mizbeach, attempts to establish a chag l'ashem, and finally, in Pasuk Vav, at the end of the kind of short parshia that opens up the long story of the Chayda Ego, which, in fact, extends over a couple of prakim, the Torah says, macharat, uh, the people got up the next morning by Alu Alot, and they brought burnt offerings by Gishu Shlamim, they brought peace offerings by Yeshiva Am Lechol and they sat down to eat and drink by Kamal Tzachek, and they got up to celebrate. So they brought sacrifices, and they sat down, and they feasted, and they celebrated, and this was the celebration of the Chet Egel. Now, in analyzing the story of the Chet Egel, often our attention is drawn to what might be thought of as the halachic question regarding the story, uh, meaning uh, to what extent is this uh, a formal act of avodazara of idol worship or not? Did all the people commit idol worship? Did only some of the people commit idol worship? And this is, of course, one of the questions that draws our attention in dealing with this story. Or alternatively, another question that draws our attention, not so much the halakhic issue, but what might be thought of as the psychological or religious issue. Is it really possible that the people were interested in worshipping Avodazara? What is the motivation of the people here? Perhaps they just wanted another leader. Perhaps they lapsed into old habits. And the question, the psychological question of the motivation of Am Yisrael and the story of Chayit Egel is another fascinating and interesting question. However, uh, in this Shidor, although I will kind of touch upon these two questions, I would like to uh, not discuss either of these, to discuss neither of these questions in a direct fashion. Rather than discuss a, a third question, it might be thought of as an almost near technical question, but one which I think goes to some extent to the heart of what the story is all about. Now, I began reading the story a moment ago in Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Aleph, with the Pasuk Vayara Am Kivoshesh Moshe Leredet Minahar, and the people saw that Moshe was delayed in coming down from the mountain. But in point of fact, we cannot really say that this is where the story of the Chet Egel, the story of the golden calf, begins. In fact, there is another pasuk here found in the previous parak, parak Lamed Aleph, pasuk Yud Chet, which uh, begins the actual parsha. There is a Ptuchah here in the uh, Masoretic text, and it reads as follows: 
Veitain el Moshe kichalotol daber ito bahar sine shnei luchota edut. And he gave to Moshe, God gave to Moshe, when he finished speaking with him in Har Sinai, Shnei Luchota Eidut, the two tablets of testimony, Luchota Eben, uh, tablets of stone, or Ketuvim Be'etzpe'elo, Kim, written with the finger of God. So before we are given a glimpse of what happens down at the bottom of the mountain, the building of the ego by the people in Aaron, the Torah opens the story with what happens up on the mountain, uh, where God gives to Moshe the Luchota Eidut, uh, the Shnei Luchot, um, and we are told they are made out of stone, they're written by the finger of God, and this seems to be a crucial and important preface um, to the story. And the question I would like to discuss on some level is about the role uh, of the Luchot Ha'edut, the, the role of the Luchot in the story of the Chet Egel. Now, in point of fact, we do not just begin here with a kind of technical question, um, that the story begins with the mention of God giving the Luchot to Moshe. But as we go on, at key points in the story, of course, the Luchot are, are mentioned. And of course, there's a key event that happens vis-a-vis the Luchot. Now, um, jumping down in the text, uh, after Moshe's first pleading with God on top of the mountain when he was informed by God that the people had sinned with the golden calf, Paraklamid Bet, Pasuk Tetvav, says as follows. It begins to, the Torah here depicts Moshe's descent from the mountain and his first encounter with what has happened in the Machaneh. And Paraklamibet Pasuk Tedvav says as follows. Vayifen vayered Moshe menahar. Moshe turned and came down from the mountain. Ushnei luchot ha'edut biyado. The two tablets of testimony were in his hand. Luchot ketuvim mishnei evrehem. Um, tablets or luchot that had written, been written on both sides. Mizeh umizehim ketuvim. They're written on both sides. Baluchot maseh elokim hema. And the luchot, the tablets were a, the work of God. Vamichtav michtav elokim hu. And the writing was the writing of God. Charut al-luchot, engraved on the luchot. So the luchot are rather special. We are actually told, they, we are told they were given by God in Perak Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Yudchet. We are told that they are ma'aseh elokim, they are the act of God. And the michtav and the writing is the writing of God. And it's engraved and it's on two sides. It's, they're rather spectacular and the Torah mentions this. Now, of course, after a brief uh, discussion with Yahushua about what is going on in the Machanet. Um, we are told in Paraklamid Bet, Pasuk Yutet, Vahi Ka'asher Karav Ela Machanet, and when Moshe came close to the camp, Vayar at the Egel Umacholot, and he saw the the Egel, the calf Umacholot, and the dancing and the celebration, Vayichar Af Moshe, Moshe became angry. Vayashlech Miado et Luchot, and he threw, cast down from his hands, Vayashber Otam Tachatahar, and the Luchot were broken. And on some level, this is the end of the story of the Luchot and its role in the story of the Chet Egel. We might say as follows, that the story begins with a specific mention of uh, the Luchot, of the tablets, and on some level, at a key point, at a kind of uh, crescendo, we're told that the Luchot are broken when Moshe arrives in the camp and sees what is going on. And the question I would like to discuss is, what is the meaning of this centrality um, of the Luchot in the story of the Eagle. Why does the story begin with the Luchot? And why does the story seem to kind of reach its crescendo here on some level when Moshe sees uh, what is happening in the camp and he breaks the Luchot? What is the meaning of all this, both on the literary and the thematic plane? This is what I would like to talk about. Now, on some level, there's a kind of standard way of uh, thinking about this uh, that we often adopt, 
which is on some level we think of the breaking of the Luchot exactly as the crescendo of the story. Um, the reason for the story beginning uh, with the mention of the Luchot in Perek Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Yud Ched, Ba'itena Moshe Kechalto, Daber Yito, Bahar Sinai, Shnei Luchot, Ta'edot Luchot, Eben Ketum, Betz Belokim, there is this great godly artifact uh, given to Am Yisrael by God. Um, it is the Luchot written by God, with the finger of God. Um, and it's Ma'aseh Elokim. And the tragedy of the story of the Chet Egel is the breaking, the smashing of this object by Moshe. Um, Moshe becomes angry and is a punishment uh, to Bnei Yisrael for uh, their actions, the luchot are broken. So we can kind of adopt an approach which takes the attitude towards the centrality of the luchot in the story of the Chet Egel as, as follows. The preface is because they're going to be broken. Uh, their being broken is a kind of great tragedy which emerges from the anger of Moshe. And this is a kind of punishment uh, for Bnei Yisrael. If after all, upon seeing the ego, what did Bnei Yisrael say in Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Dalad, we're told, They have rejected God on some level and pointed to the ego and said, it is their God. Um, and even God on some level confirms this in Perak Lamed Bet, um, God says, they bow to, they sacrifice to. So if the people view the Egel as their Elohim, then they do not deserve the Luchot written by the Etzba Elohim, the finger of God, the act of God, the holy object. And on some level, we have here a kind of tragedy, the loss of the Luchot, and we have a kind of punishment. And this is one way to understand the role of the Luchot in the story. Um, however, while this is indeed, I think, in fact, correct, I think it is only partially correct, and uh, there's a kind of another aspect, another element that should be added to this approach of tragedy or punishment, a kind of second approach that I think can be mapped out. And this emerges by realizing that there's a certain kind of imagery in the story of the ego, um, or perhaps more accurately, um, the breaking of the Luchot, or, or as a compliment, the breaking of the Luchot is not in fact the, the true and absolute crescendo of the story. Um, there's more that happens afterwards, even in the first tragic part of the story. Um, and I would like to go back to Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk uh, Yitet, and read again the Pasuk that describes the breaking of the Luchot. Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Yitet says as follows, Karav el and when Moshe came close to the Machaneh, and he saw the calf and the, the musical celebration, the celebration, Moshe became angry, and he cast down from his hands the tablets, the Luchot, and he broke them or smashed them uh, at the bottom of the mountain. And But wait, there's another reaction of Moshe which follows in the Pesukim, actually a couple of others, but there's another key one, one which we don't remember often as well, and one which is in fact a bit mysterious. Perak Lamed Bet, Pasek Kaf, says as follows, asher asu, and um, he took the calf that they made, he burnt it in fire, and he 
and he ground it up until it was fine, a fine powder. And he sprinkled it onto water, mixed it into water. And he um, he caused the people of Israel to drink of the mixture containing the finely ground powder of the Chet Ego. Now, this is, a, in fact, rather rather strange. Um, and for those of us who remember, or it's kind of foreshadowed, something we're going to find later on in the halachic part of the Torah of Sefer Bamidbar, in, in Sefer Bamidbar. Um, and if we turn for the moment to Sefer Bamidbar, uh, Perak Dalit, uh, there we have the story of the Isha Sota, of the woman who is suspected of adultery by uh, her husband. And we're told there um, in Perak He Pasuk Yudchet, or not Perak Dal, Perak He Pasuk Yudchet, that this woman um, is brought in front of the Kohen Gadol, um, and suspicion of the fact, as the Torah tells us at the beginning of the Parsha in Pasuk uh, Yud Bet that she was Ma'ala Bo Ma'al that she had betrayed her husband and that she had slept with another man and what happens to her? Well, she's born in front of the Kohen and Perak Hey Pasuk Yud Chet says the Salz Ve'Amid HaKohen Et Ha'Isha Lefnei Hashem and the um, the uh, Kohen stands the woman in front of Hashem she stands at the entrance of the Midash or the Mishkan Upara Et Rosh Ha'Isha and then her, her head is unclasped um, and her hair becomes wild, the symbol of the wild or frenzied or undisciplined behavior she's engaged in. And then there's a mincha, a, a kind of carbon that's going to be brought that is placed in her hands. And in her, and in the hands of the coin are going to be the waters, the bitter waters. Now what are these bitter waters? These are waters that have a kind of powder mixed into them. And later on in Parakei Pasek Kaftalik, we're told, And these bitter waters are drunk by the woman. As some sort of, there's a whole ordeal of the Isha Sota that uh, is undergone here when she's suspected of adultery. Um, well, there's the symbol of parua, of her hair being unclasped because she's acting in a wild fashion. And there's the drinking of these bitter waters uh, that are kind of symbolic of what she's done or meant to investigate her in some way. And fascinatingly enough, the story of the Cheta Egel foreshadows, um, in some way, this ordeal of the Isha Sota. We've already pointed out that upon coming down from the mountain, what does Moshe do? Well, in Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Kafa, Yikachat Egel Asher Asu Ve'isof Ve'ish Ve'itchan Ad Asher Dak Moshe grinds up the dust of the uh, the eagle, puts it in the water, and forces the Bnei Israel to drink. And in fact, later on, we have the other key symbol of the story of Isha Sota um, in Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Kafa, the third action of Moshe, before Moshe uh, extracts vengeance, exacts vengeance of God upon the people, Vayar Moshe ta'am ki And Moshe saw that the people had become wild or frenzied, ki aron whatever the rest of this pasuk means. But again, the notion of being parua, of being wild or frenzied, of undisciplined is also applicable here. So what's fascinating here is that there's a sense um, that the Bnei Israel are the Isha Sota. They are the adulterous women who have, in some sense, betrayed uh, their husband. Um, now, there's a kind of imagery here of betrayal and adultery that exists in the Parsha. Now, in point of fact, um, we might find this in, div- in two other places in the Parsha as well. Um, in 
Divrei Chazal. Um, if we go back, uh, one by following Divrei Chazal, and another by following the point in the text. If we go back for the moment to Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Vav, um, we're there, the Torah reports to us um, what the people do with the ego. And the language of the Pasuk in Perak Lamed Bet, Pasuk Vav, is as follows. And the people got up the next morning and they brought karbanot. And the people uh, sat down to eat and drink. And they got up to celebrate. Now, in the simple meaning of this verse, the word litzachek means only to celebrate. But there's an interesting literary parallel and famous Divrei Chazal, which might indicate that there's something deeper going on in the imagery of uh, Litzachek. To go back uh, to the moment, to Bereshit, um, Perak Lamed Tet, to the story of Yosef in Mitzrayim. And as we well know, eventually, we should remember, Yosef winds up in the house of Potiphar. Yosef was very attractive, and in Perak Lamed Tet, Zion, the Torah tells us as follows. And it was after these matters, and the master of his wife picked up her eyes at Yosef, turned her eyes to Yosef, but Tomer, she demanded of Yosef to sleep with her. Um, she demanded that Yosef engage in adultery. She demanded that Yosef betray the trust that his master uh, had put in him. And of course, Yosef refuses to betray this trust. Yosef refuses to commit adulterous behavior. And eventually, Eshet Potiphar decides to exact vengeance uh, upon Yosef. And um, after uh, her attempt, uh, repeated attempt to seduce Yosef, she makes the matter public. And Perak Lamentet, Pasuk uh, Yudalid, says as follows, And she called to the men of her house, and she said to them, Litzachek banu. Um, behold, uh, they have brought a Hebrew man upon us to litzachek banu. How do we translate this? To celebrate? To mock? To laugh at us? Ba'elai lishkav imi. He came upon me to to sleep with me. And there's a connection here between lishkov imi, to sleep with me, the betrayal, the adulterous behavior, and the litzachek, the kind of celebration. Now, famously, in the story of Yitzchak and Yishmael, where Yishmael is tzachek, Yishmael laughs at Yitzchak, or mocks Yitzchak, Chazal tell us what is the tzchok, what is the laughter? Well, it's shvichut damim, and it's avodah and it's also gilu arayot. Because tzchok, celebration, or mocking, both in the story of Yosef and Eshet Potiphar, and as well in the story of the Egel, is a symbol of not just celebration, but adulterous, licentious, wild, betraying kind of behavior. And again, here, by Akumul Tzachek, we have this image of B'nai Yisrael as the adulterous woman at a second point in our story. Now, there's a third place where this kind of imagery of what might be thought of as the bride or the wife comes up in the story of the Chet Ego. Uh, later on in the story, after um, Moshe uh, comes down from the mountain, before he prepares to go up once again, in Perak uh, Lamed Perak Lamed Gimel um, we're told uh, as in Perak Lamed Gimel we're told as follows Moshe prepares to go up to the to the mountain 
Um, and God has already informed him that he will only send a malach with B'nai Yisrael. He will not accompany them on his own. And then Moshe reports the people, Moshe reports this to the people, uh, that God intends to only send a malach to kind of guide them in an indirect fashion as opposed to being directly with them. And Perak Lamed Gimel, Pasuk Dalid, reports that, uh, the people's reaction to this news. And Lamed Gimel Dalid says as follows, Um, and the people heard this bad thing, that God would only guide them through a malach, through an angel, and they mourned. And they did not place their finery. Edyo can actually be uh, translated as, as garments or finery or perhaps even jewelry. Uh, they did not uh, put them on. They took them off. And then uh, the Torah tells us God's reaction. Um, but then God says, Oh, it's good you took off your jewelry or your finery. And then we have a kind of summation pasukah, a third mention of Edyam or Edyo in the Torah here. Lamed Gimel Vav says as follows, And they took off their jewelry or their finery, their garments. From Har Chorev. Now, and the simple reading of these psukim is the people mourn and therefore they take off their fine garments or their jewelry. But interestingly enough, in the third mention of it, uh, the Torah tells us, Mehar Chorev of Har Chorev. Now, while some translate Mehar Chorev at Har Chorev, that they stripped off their garments of jewelry at Har Chorev, because that's where they were located, most Mifarshim translate Mehar Chorev of Har Chorev. There, uh, there was some jewelry or finery or garments that were worn by B'nai Yisrael at Har Chorev, and now as a sign of mourning upon realizing that God will no longer be with them in a direct fashion, then they strip off these garments or the jewelry or the finery. Now, what is this referring to? Well, what it's probably referring to is a kind of particular event found in the Chumash, reported back to us in Shmot Perak Yutet, the story of Mamar Har Sinai, and it is worthwhile to go back there and look at a couple of psukim to kind of put this into place. Um, there, we're told in Parakitet, uh, Pasuk Dalid, as follows. God says to Am Yisrael, famous psukim, Atem re'item asher asithi mitzrayim. You saw what I did to Egypt. I will lift you up on the wings of eagles. Vavi etchem elai. I will bring you to me. The language here is intimate. The imagery is intimate. I will bring you to me. If you listen to my call, keep my Brit, you'll be schula, you'll be special. The story of Mamar Har Sinai is about the striking up of an intimate relationship between God and Israel. And a few psukim later, God says, I'm going to come and all of B'nai Israel will see and hear me. And what do B'nai Israel do for this event? Well, the Shlosh Hagbalah, the three days of preparation. And Perakitek Pasuk Yud says as follows, Vayom HaShem HaMoshe Lech La'am V'Kidashta Hayom Machar Prepare yourselves to separate yourself today and tomorrow V'Kibsusim Lotam Wash your clothes. Vayom HaShem Layom HaShlishi And be prepared for the third day Ki Vayom HaShlishi Yeret HaShem The people are meant to prepare to dress up. And undoubtedly, 
they dress up in their finery, in their jewelry. The ediyam mehar charev that they take off later on in the aftermath of the chayda ego is the jewelry and the finery that Bnei Yisrael, the bride, the wife, the beloved, wore to the consummation ceremony, so to speak, with God at Har Sinai. And, by the way, where did they get it? Well, it was a gift from the groom. It was a gift from God given to them back in Har Sinai. Where did they get jewelry or clothes or smell from? Well, they got them from the Egyptians when God provided for them. So God had given them these gifts. They wore them at Har Sinai as part of the making of the relationship and now that they are the adulterous woman, that they are the bride who has committed a betrayal with the eagle, they strip them off. So we can note here that there are um, three places in the story of the Chayda Egel where on the dramatic level the story is about betrayal, adultery. One, the parallel to uh, the story of Isha Sota. Two, the notion of mitzachek as a kind of wild celebration that borders on the adulteress. And three, the notion of the stripping off of the jewelry, the present present uh, from the groom. Now, how does this help us uh, resolve um, the role of the luchot, or the role of the breaking of the luchot in the story of the Chet Egel, which is the issue we wanted to deal with? Well, in order to understand this, we've got to understand what the luchot truly represent. They represent quite a few different things, but one of the aspects of the luchot. And to do this, we've got to and to this dramatic sense of betrayal, adultery, uh, I think we've got to look at this in a kind of more um, analytic fashion. And to do so, uh, we need to look at a very fascinating, interesting parallel between the story of the Chet Ego and another story found in the Chumash, earlier on in Sefer Shemot. Uh, let us take a look uh, at Perek Lamed Bet, Pasuk Hey. Uh, what exactly happens uh, in the Chet Ego? Well, what happens there in Perek Lamebet Pasekei is as follows. Vayar Aaron, um, and Aaron saw, Vayiven Mizbeach Lifanav, and he built a, an altar in front of the um, Ego. Vayikra Aaron, and Aaron called out, Vayomer Chag Lashem Machar, tomorrow will be a holiday to God. And then what happens? Well, it doesn't work out as a Chag Lashem, Vayashkimu Yimacharat, um, and uh, they got up the next morning. Vayalu alot vagifu shlamim. They brought alot and shlamim. Vayeshev al nechol v'shato v'yekumul tzachek. So we can talk here about uh, three very distinct features mentioned in these pesukim in Lamed Bet Hey Vav. One, we have the mizbeach. Two, we have well four even. Two, we have vayashkimu machrat the getting up on the next morning. Three, we have the carbonot which are alot and shlamim. Four, we have the Achila and the Shti'ah. Uh, all of these four points are mentioned very specifically here in the Pesukim. Now, if we think about it, some of this should remind us of Shmot Perakaf Dalid, something that previously happened back at Har Sinai. Um, and let us take a look at Perakaf Dalid, Pasuk Dalid, um, what happened the first time that Moshe came down from the mountain? Of course, Moshe came down from the mountain. He told everything to the people. They said, Na'aseh. And then we're told in Perek Kaftalad, Pasek Dalid, Vayichtov Moshe et kol divrei Hashem. Moshe wrote down all the words of Hashem. Vayashkem baboker. Ah, Vayashkem baboker. He got up the next morning. Vayashkem, getting up early in the morning. That's, that foreshadows what's going to happen later on in Perek Lamed Bet in the story of the Chet Ego. 
Vayiven Mizbeach. And there's a Mizbeach, um, Tachatahar, at the foot of the mountain. We'll come back to this in a moment. So we have, second point here is we have the Mizbeach. So one, it's the, ne- the next morning. Two, the Mizbeach. Well, take a look at Pasuk Three. And we have Olot Vishlamim, and that's a third parallel. And of course, what happens later on is after the story of the Mizbeach and the reading out of the Sefer Habrit and the Olot and the Shlamim and the two bloods. And all this we should remember from Parak Kaftalan. After the Kritat Brit, after the creation or the making of the covenant, we're told in Perkaftala that representatives of Am Yisrael, the Atzilei B'nei Yisrael, ascend the mountain. And we're told in Perkaftala, Pasukit Aleph, Vel Atzilei B'nei Yisrael lo shalach yado, and to the uh, nobles of Israel, God did not send the sin, Vayachazuat Elohim, they saw God, Vayochlu Vayishtu. They ate and they drank. So we have four parallels between the story of Chet Ega and the previous story of Shemot Perk Kavdala, the story of Brit Sinai. One, the notion of the next morning. Two, the Mezbeach. Three, the Olot and the Shlamim. Four, the Achila and the Shtiah. The stories are, of course, on some level opposites, but we need to get into this a little bit more deeply because in point of fact, both stories happen in the exact same place. Uh, this is a fifth parallel between them. Parakaf Dalit, Pasuk Dalit says, even Mizbeach Tachatahar. And they built a Mizbeach at the foot of the mountain. So the altar, the Mizbeach, which is part of the story of Parakaf Dalit, is built at the foot of the mountain. Now, if we think about it, in Parak Lamid Bet, when Aaron builds the Mizbeach, when Moshe is delayed from coming down from where? Moshe is delayed, it says, Vayara Amki Voshesh, Moshe Loredet Minahar, they gather against Aaron, Paraklamid Bet, Pasakhe, Vayaron, Vayven Mizbeach Lefanav. So they, the Mizbeach of the Chaita Egel is in the exact same place at the foot of the mountain that the Mizbeach of Parakhaftalad had been. And when Moshe Breaks the luchot. We're told in Parak Lamed Bet Pasuk Yitet by Yashperotam Tachatahar. Now this doesn't mean that they were under the mountain. It means at the foot of the mountain. The whole story of the Chayit Egel happened in the exact same physical place that the story of Perak Kaftal happened. That's the fifth parallel, the same place of Tachatahar. Now to put this together, we have to realize that the stories are opposites of each other. Because what is Perak Kaftalad? The story of the Mizbeach and the Olot and the Shlamim and the eating at the foot of the mountain is a story of Kritat Brit, of creation, a making of the covenant. Moshe writes down the Torah, and in Parak Kafdalid Pasuk, Zion, we're told, Moshe took the written down Torah, the Sefer Brit, it is the story of the covenant, the story of Brit Sinai. Um, and the record of the covenant um, is, of course, the Sefer Habrit. So we now realize something, I think, very deep and very important. That if the story of Perk Kafdalit and its five elements of the Mizbeach and the Karbanot and the getting up the next morning and the Achila and the Shtiyah and the location at the bottom of the mountain, if that's the story of the making of the covenant, the story of the Chet Egel 
is the anti-covenant story. It's the anti-Brit Sinai story. It's the story of the breaking of the covenant. And this explains all of the znut imagery, all of the adulterous imagery, all the betrayal imagery found throughout the story of the Chet Egel. Because the covenant is about the... In- it's not just the halachic covenant. It's not just about the Kabbalah Tatara. It's about the intimate relationship between God and Israel. And that is broken in the Chet Egel, which is the anti-covenant story. And hence, all of the imagery of adultery, the Isha Sota, the Tzacheg, the stripping off of the jewelry, etc., etc. Now, we're finally ready to come back to the chayta, uh, to the breaking of the Luchot and to wrap things together. Now, in the story of Brit Sinai and Parag Kafdalad, as I pointed out in the past, everything comes in twos. Everything happens in pairs. There are two bloods uh, and there are two eatings. There's the Mizbeach consumes the Karbanot as representative of God and the, and the representatives of Israel are Ochel v'shoteh. There are two sets of monuments. There's the Mizbeach and then there are the 12 Matzevot for the Shvatim v'penei Israel. And there are also two books or two writings. There is the writing that Moshe does in the Sefer Abrit and then there's a, another writing that immediately after the story of uh, Brit Sinai in Shmot Perk Kaftalad Pasukid Bet were told as follows Vayom Hashem Moshe Alei Elai Hahara come up to the mountain Vayesham Vayetna et Luchot HaEven I will give you the Luchot HaEven Vatorah etc. The Luchot are the divine copy of the covenantal document they are the written record or the written symbol of the existence of the covenant between God and B'nai Yisrael. There's one copy made by Moshe the Sefer Abrit, and then there's the other copy made by God, with God's finger, Ma'aseh Elohim, Etzbe Elohim, and given to Moshe as a record and a living symbol of the covenant. We're now ready to come back to the story of the Chet Ego, the story of anti-covenant. And how does it begin? God, it's not just that this is a, a great and wonderful and magnificent thing. Magnificent thing. It is the symbol uh, of the existence of the covenant between God and Israel. And Moshe comes down and he sees the anti-covenant. He sees the ego, um, and he sees the betrayal. And what happens? They leave his hand. They're cast out of his hand. He throws them down. They're broken. Tachatar in the exact same place. In the exact same place where the covenant had been cut, had been made, that is where the Luchot Evan, um, the divine record of that covenant, is broken. Because the covenant has already been broken by B'nai Yisrael in the Chet Egel, And I think this is the deeper meaning of the role of the Luchot in the story of the Chet Egel. It's not just about punishment um, or lack of desert by B'nai Yisrael for this great divine object, but it's also a kind of symbol of the deep dynamic of the story, the notion of betrayal, adultery, and breaking of the covenant, and hence the luchot, luchot ha'idut, that would testify to the existence of the covenant, are broken in this story.